This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, just before we hear an episode of The Lone Ranger, I thought that many of you might not have heard The Lone Ranger's Creed. It was written as a guide for The Lone Ranger's young fans on how to live a life of goodness, fairness, and decency, just like The Lone Ranger. Creed was written by Fran Stryker, a well-known writer for radio and comics who wrote extensively for The Lone Ranger. He said, Number one, I believe that to have a friend, a man must be one. That all men be created equal and that everyone has within himself the power to make this a better world. That God put the firewood there, but every man must gather and light it himself. In being prepared physically, mentally, and morally to fight when necessary for that which is right. That a man should make the most of what equipment he has. That this government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall live always. That men should live by the rule of what is best for the greatest number. That sooner or later, somewhere, somehow, we must settle with the world and make payment for what we have taken. That all things change, but the truth and the truth alone lives on forever. I believe in my creator, my country, my fellow man. And now an episode that was first aired in 1944. in a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. Thank you. 
With his faithful Indian companion, Tonto, the masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. The stories of his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness have come down to us through the generations. And nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past and the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver, the Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver! Hurry, big fellow! I'm Silver! It happened one afternoon in the summer of 1870. No one on the main street of a sleepy little Indiana town noticed anything unusual about the five horsemen who pulled their mounts to a halt at the hitch rack in front of the bank. Oh. You wait here, Cal. Keep your eyes peeled. When we come out, we're going to come running. Sure, Murphy, I know. All right, boys. Certainly no one suspected a bank robbery. Least of all, the sheriff who dozed under a wooden awning nearly a block away. Or the young housewife, who chose that particular moment to cross the street. They were as surprised as anyone else when the afternoon's calm was suddenly split by the roar of six guns. Here, Cal, take this. Yeah. Hit the leather, boys. Let's line out of here. I'll sling enough lead to cover you. at the edge of town, a doctor worked all night trying to save a life that hung in the balance. It was almost daybreak when he walked out onto the porch where an anxious man stared into space. Doc, is, is that you? Yes, Sam. Molly, is she, is she going to be... No, she isn't. You wouldn't look at me that way. Well, it's having to say things like this that are Doctor hates the most. And she... You mean Molly's gone? I was going to call you, Sam. But one minute she was asleep and the next... It's all right, Doug. She wouldn't have known I was there anyway. I think you know I did everything humanly possible to save her. Sure. You see, she was caught in the crossfire. Bullets from both the outlaws and the sheriff's guns. I understand that. Why did it have to be Molly? Lots of other people were on the street, too. They didn't get hit. Uh, there's no accounting for that, Sam. My Molly. Go on. I feel like bombing, but I can't. I know, Sam. Killed by two kinds of bullets. The laws and the outlaws. Sheriff said he was pretty sure that it was Jim Murphy's gang. He was out with a posse now trailing them. Yeah. Jim Murphy... That's a name I'm not likely to forget. Any more than I'll forget law dogs and their itchy trigger fingers. You're bitter, Sam. I don't blame you. 
I wish there was something I could do to save. Look. Look, Doc. Over there to the east. You can see the tip of it back of those hills. You mean the sunrise? It's a lot more than that. At least it is to me. And the, Molly used to feel the same way about it. I always figured that every sunrise is just like a promise. The way it pushes back gray and purple, changes them into red and gold. It's a promise that everything's new. No matter what happened last night, we all have another chance today. You're right, Sam. Never heard it expressed exactly that so way. So I'm taking that chance, Doc. And I'm matching it with a promise to myself. What do you mean? Just, just as soon as everything's settled. I mean about Molly. I'm leaving this town for good. Leaving? Why, Sam? What about Johnny, your little boy? Johnny's too young to know what's happened. And Molly's sister can raise him better than I could. But you? Because I'm going to be busy keeping that promise. Someday the sun's going to rise and find that I've evened a three-cornered score. I don't understand. Between me, the law, and an outlaw. That man's name was Sam Bass. True to his promise, he left Indiana a few days later and never returned. Several years passed, during which a young boy grew into manhood. Hey, boy! Look who just walked in. It's Charlie Tanner. Hey, hi, boy! Hi! <laughs> Set him up, bartender. The drinks are on me. Where, where you been, Charlie? Ain't seen you in almost a year. Guess you gents heard about the gold strike out in the Black Hills? Yeah. That's where I've been. Deadwood. Yeah? Well, from the size of that poke you're carrying, you must have made a strike. I did all right. Say, Charlie, is there really as much gold out there as they say there is? Plenty of gold, no doubt about that. And if you're lucky, you can stake a claim. The tough part is getting out of there with it. Uh, what do you mean? Owl hoots, road agents, the hills are infested with them. The stage from Deadwood to Shine has held up almost every trip. Well, what's the matter? Ain't there any law out in that country? Sure, but they can't be every place at once. And some of those outlaw armies are tough. One of the worst gangs is... Say... What's wrong? Just happened to remember. The gent who's robbing the worst bunch of all used to live right in this town. Yes, sir, that's right. Uh, who do you mean? A critter named Sam Bass. So Sam ended up on the old hoot, huh? Sure. He and another army named Joe Collins are the hey, toughest... Charlie, wait a minute. Not so loud. Why? What do you mean, Johnny not... Bass. Sam's kid is standing right over there. Yeah, he heard you. Here he comes. Hello, Tanner. Don't believe I know you, kid. You don't know my dad either. Well, you'd better stop talking about him. Yeah? Who's he? Sam Bass. If I were you, kid, I'd keep my mouth shut about being related to an outlaw. That's a lie. Listen, I've seen him. Nobody can tell me that Bass ain't I'm an outlaw. I'm telling you. But I don't think words are enough. So I'll try this. Oh, no. Why, you dirty little... He's 
Colonel in the gun. Up the floor, boys. Red's going to fly. Fill your hand, kid, because I'm going to no, make you... No, You not shoot him. Young fellow not have gun. Who's the redskin? I don't know. Never saw him before. Out of my way, engine. I'll shoot you him. You shoot him and me shoot you. Now, listen, redskin. I know you're trying to help me, but there's no need of you getting... Tonto not like see unfair fight. What's the matter with all you gents? Are we going to let one redskin hold the drop on all of us? Look, Charlie, I'll gun the crowd. That's it. Burn them down. The lights. Who shot out the lights? Was it you that did that? Ah, uh, Mick, you stay with me. We get out fast. There they go. The redskin and Johnny are sneaking out the side door. Come, me have horse. But I haven't got a bronc. Scout, carry them. Quick, up you come. There. Over by the hitch rail, you see him? Get him up, scout. Oh, scout, don't tell a hole. Don't tell a hole. Oh. Guess we lost him, all right. Uh, uh, uh. Sure, thank you for helping me out of that spot. If I'd have known Tanner was packing a gun, I never would have swung on him. But he made me so mad when he... I heard you right up, Tonto. You seem to be in a hurry. Hey, what the... Mast! Ah, uh, big peller in cafe tried to shoot him. Me stop him. Good. You must be the engine's part. Yes, that's right. This is a funny one. Why? I got into a fight because a loud-mouthed hombre said my dad's an outlaw. Next thing I know, I'm tied up with a couple of them. Tonto and I aren't outlaws. What's your name? Johnny. Uh, Johnny Bass. And your father must be Sam Bass. Yeah. Well, how'd you know? I, uh... uh, Seems as though I've heard his name somewhere. Is uh, this town your home? It has been. But my aunt died about a week ago, and after what happened tonight, I think I'll head out. Which way, Johnny? Well, I... Well, I don't know. Maybe south. I hear that Texas is a good uh, place. Tell, uh, tell me something, Johnny. How long since you've heard from your father? I... Well, well I've never heard from Dad. Uh, direct, I mean. He used to write letters to Aunt Verna all the time when I was growing up and send her money. I see. She said he was doing some kind of special work out west someplace. Now, from the way she talked, I figured he was working for the government. Maybe. But I know he's not an outlaw. No matter what anybody says. He couldn't be. Yes, Silver. Eddie Tonto. Uh, oh, wait a minute. You haven't told me how you happened to... Big fella. I think your idea about going to Texas is a good one, Johnny. There's great country down there for a young fellow like you. Sure, but all of this doesn't make sense. The Indian helps me out of a fight. Then we ride out here to meet a masked owl hoot that asks a lot of questions. I don't worry about it. The important thing for you to do, Johnny, is keep the idea you were fighting for tonight. Come on, Silver. Get him up. Come. It was one night in the late spring of 1877 that six horsemen reined up their mounts near the railroad right away, not far from Big Springs, Nebraska. Well, this is it, boys. That westbound train ought to come around the bend any minute now. Suppose it don't stop, Sam. How are we going to get... <laughs> Listen to Quint. I'd like to see a train try to jump that three-foot log me and Mac threw across the track. It'll stop all right. 
The important thing for you all to remember is to keep those masks on. There's no telling who's riding that steam contraption. We can't take any chances. You're right, Sam. Uh, Mike, you, Slim, Quentin, Bill, keep the engineer and fireman quiet. Right, Sam. Be sure to make him draw the fire of that engine. What about me, Sam? You and I'll head for the express car, Jewel. If there's any money aboard, that's where it'll be. Yeah, but... Here she comes now. Let's ride. Right, get up, get up, get up. Kimosabe, why we? Look, Toto, just beyond the rise. That's the westbound train. Left Big Springs over 30 minutes ago. And there's no reason for it to stop here unless. Listen, that sounds like a holdup. We've got to. Come on, Silver, come on, scout! As the Lone Ranger and Tonto urged their horses at top speed toward the stalled railroad train, the sound of gunfire increased. You were right. It is a hold-up, Tonto. Ah! We'll head for the... No, wait. Oh, Silver, ho. Oh, 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 You hear that? Them say Sam Bass. Yes, Toto, I heard. I didn't expect to find him so soon. What we do? The train guards seem to have the situation pretty well in hand. Unless some of Sam's gang reached the express car before... Oh, boys! Is that them? Then get away. We trail them? Yes, we'll... Look! There's two more of them! See the white horse for paint? Build them! Bailing out, laws. We'll have to wait till later, Toto. Those guards have our range. Come on, Silver! Get off! many miles to the south and almost daybreak before Sam Bass and his outlaws pulled their tired horses to a halt. We'll uh, hold up here for the day. Get some sleep and give the horses a rest. Uh, I can't figure it. We had a tip there wouldn't be a single guard riding that train. The minute it stops, up pops about 40 of them. Look, that's all. In this business, you've got to take it as it comes. Spread out my blankets, will you, Joel? I'll uh, be back in a minute. Where's he going? Same place he always goes this time in the morning. Off by himself to watch the sun come up. Yeah, and if you ask me, that's what's wrong with this outfit. That's why our luck's running out. What kind of a top gun slick is he? Sneaking off to watch the sun. Listen, both you gunnies can check out any time you want to. I'm sticking with Sam. Well, he wastes time watching the sun come up. No matter what he does. Two weeks later, found the Lone Ranger and Tonto in a well-hidden camp not far from Denton, Texas. I can't understand it, Tonto. That United States Marshal we tipped off in Dallas should have closed in on Sam Bass long before this. Ah. Outlaws stay in hideout cabin four days now. They weren't so near the town of Round Rock we could wait. But I'm afraid they'll... Toto, help me with the disguise. Uh-huh. What you do? If I can't stop Sam Bass any other way, I'll join him.
I don't like this country. Too many lawmen sneaking around. Well, I haven't found it so far. Except that one Jasper you and Quint stumbled onto this morning. I guess there's no chance of him talking. <laughs> Not the way we left him. And here's the critter's badge to prove it. Yeah, let me see that thing. Huh, United States Marshal, huh? Me and Quint were lucky to see him before he saw us. The question is, why was he nosing around here in the first place? Lawmen are always nosing around. No, they ain't. Me and Quint don't think so. What do you mean by that? I mean Sam. Sam Bass is double-crossing us. His years as an outlaw taught Sam Bass to be cautious. He trusted no one but himself. Yet as he walked slowly along a trail that led to the hideout, he doubted the evidence of his own eyes. Suddenly, a tall, bronze-faced man dressed in nondescript clothes appeared beside him almost by magic. What the... Don't reach for your gun, Sam. I have you covered. Where... Where did you come from? I've been waiting here for you. Behind this tree. Lawman? No. When the law catches up with you, Sam, I won't be part of it. Then who are you? How do you know who I am? A lot of people know who you are. And I might be someone pretty handy with a gun who's looking for a job. Oh, gun slick, huh? Why didn't you say so in the first place? How'd you know I was here? Trailed you. Well, I guess you do move mighty quiet. And you handle that coat like you knew how to use it. I do. I uh, might have a place for a gent like you. Good. Me and the boys are figuring on a little bank job near here. Maybe you'd like to cut in. Where is it? A little town called Round Rock. Oh, yes, I've uh, been there. The boys have looked it over. They say if we move in late at night, it'll be a cinch. How about the law? You know the sheriff over there? Yeah, uh, but that won't make any difference. I do. He's a young fellow. Only had the job a short time. Yeah. His name is uh, Johnny Bass. I don't know. What? You didn't expect that, did you, Sam? Johnny. My Johnny, a uh, lawman? I can't believe... His aunt died. He came down here. Brown Rock needed a sheriff. So he got the job. Great. I don't know what to say. I wonder if Johnny knows... I don't know him very well, but I can tell you this much. He refuses to believe his father's an outlaw. You know, I'd give a lot to see that kid. How much? How much? What do you mean? Would you give a few years of your life? A few years? Oh, I see what you mean. Then you are a lawman. No, Sam. I can't arrest you. The only lawman in this territory is a United States Marshal from Dallas. Johnny would never know anything about it unless you wanted him to. Why should I do that? I've got a score to settle with the law and with another Al Hood like myself if I could ever find him. That's up to you. Knowing Johnny, I thought his father would think more of his son's opinion than... Settling an old score. Yeah. Think it, it over, Sam. Then, if you decide I'm right, meet me here tonight. 
We'll find the marshal. Maybe. I don't know. I'll be right here, waiting for you. It was several hours later when Sam Bass returned to the outlaw hideout. He was deep in thought and wholly unprepared for the reception that awaited him. Hello, Mag. Quint. Where's Joel? Joel took a trip, Sam. He won't be back. What do you mean? Free, Sam. Yeah. It's a 45 that's nudging you. What the... Now, Sam, if you want to turn around, you'll see the gent that's taken your place with his outfit. Jim Murphy. Murphy? I've waited a long time to meet the back-shooting hombre. Watch out, Jim. He's going to fall. No, he ain't. There's nothing like a gun barrel alongside his head to cool off an army that wants to fight. Yeah. What do we do with him? Leave him here. Ain't worth wasting a bullet. Uh, how far away is this bank job you were telling me about? Round Rock. We can be there inside of an hour. Come on. When he awoke a short time later, Sam Bass didn't know how long he'd been unconscious. He remembered being hit with a gun barrel. And dimly, he seemed to remember something else. A tall masked man and an Indian bending over him dressing the wound on his head and slipping something into his pocket. But the most important thing he remembered was a shortcut back trail to Round Rock. He lost no time in following it. Get it, boy. When he reached the town, Sam had no way of knowing that a trap was already set for outlaws that he was following. As he dismounted and moved along the deserted street, he sensed rather than saw them approaching the bank. Murphy, quit, Mac. What the... Look! It's Sam! Reach for your guns, boys. This is it. Burn him down! Sam knew he was hit because he felt sharp stabs of pain on his left side and shoulder. But he kept on shooting, slowly, deliberately, making sure that every bullet found its mark. Finally, when his guns were empty, he was suddenly very tired. He sank to the ground. Hey, Sheriff! Who was that? I don't know. We had a trap all set for those owl hoots, but this man stepped in ahead of us. Mighty slick shooting, if you ask me. All three of the varmints are dead. Yeah, he saved us a lot of trouble. Here, help me carry him over near that fence. Yeah. And call a doctor. Doc says there ain't much hope for him, Sheriff. Yeah, I know. Wish I knew his name. Ain't no mystery about that. The same as yours. What do you mean? That man's Sam Bass, the outlaw. Sam? Well, that's my father's name. And he's not an outlaw. I don't know anything about that. This gent is... Hello, Johnny. Why, you... You are my dad, aren't you? You should have let me know where you were, son. I'd have come around sooner. But I didn't... I mean... It's... It's a... Almost daybreak, isn't it, Johnny? Why, sure, but... Well, uh, you do me a favor. Why, sure. What is it, Dan? Help me sit up. <laughs> Easy. That's it. I want to see the sunrise just once more. Thank <laughs> you. 
Thanks. Johnny. Dad. Dad. He's gone, Sheriff. He went down fighting. You've got to admire an hombre like that, even if he was an outlaw. You're both crazy. I tell you, this is my father, and he wasn't an outlaw. Wait, I'll bet there's something in his pockets that prove he wasn't. Here. Look at this. What is it? A badge. A United States Marshal's badge. That's the kind of work Dad must have been doing. Hey, Sheriff. What's on that piece of paper? That was in his pocket, too. I don't know. Looks like a note of some kind. What's it say? A man's true worth is measured by what he does for someone else. And it's signed, The Lone Ranger. Stay tuned for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a few songs and several laughs as we visit with Dennis Day. This show first broadcast in 1947. young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day.
twice a day and before every date, use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. In answer to many requests, here's Dennis with a famous old Scott song, The Wig Wag Wiggle of the Kilt. Forget the day I went and joined the 93rd. The chums I used to run with said they thought I looked absurd. They saluted me and gathered me in a ring. And as they wagged me tar to kill, they all began to sing. He's a papa, heel and laddie, private jock McKay. There's not another soldier like him in the Scotch Brigade. Reared among the heather, you can see he's Scottish built. By the wig, wig, wiggle, waggle, wiggle of the kill. Talk, I am telling you, there's nothing like the skill of the bagpipes and the wiggle of the kill. Talk, I'll never forget the day we were ordered on review. The king came down to see us and the queen was we in two. As I marched by the royal coach, the king just shook his head. The queen put on her royal specs and looked at me and said, Heal the broad, broad, highland laddie, private jump but there's not another soldier like him in the Scots Brigade. Red among the heather, oh, you can see his Scottish bills by the wig. Wig, wiggle, waggle, wiggle out of the kilt. Oh, dear, dear, just do utterly, 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 utterly. He's a bra, bra, heel and laddie for Ivor Jock McDade. There's not another soldier like him in the Scots Brigade. Red among the heather. You can see he's Scottish built by the wig, wig, wiggle, wiggle, waggle of the cute by the wig, wag, wig, wag, a wiggle, waggle, wiggle of the cute hoot man. Some months ago, when it first became apparent that our young hero Dennis Day and Mildred Anderson were serious about each other, his landlady, Mrs. Anderson, felt that Dennis wasn't good enough for her daughter. That opinion of Mrs. Anderson's has been altered somewhat by time. She now feels he isn't good enough for anyone's daughter. <laughs> Mrs. Anderson has never been a woman of patience, and this morning she finally ran out of the little she had. So, without further ado, she summoned her cuter half to her side. Herbert? Yes, Angel Eyes. <laughs> I've decided this ridiculous romance between our daughter and that day boy has gone far enough. We're going to put a stop to it. But, oopsie, they're crazy about each other. Why, just the way we were at their age. They're infatuated and nothing more. Well, haven't you noticed the way he looks at her? Just like I used to look at you. With love and respect and desire and fear. <laughs> I've heard enough, Herbert. You're going to Dennis today and tell him he must give Mildred up. Oh, Popsy, I just can't. It's too cruel. Oh, nothing. Well, now, suppose someone had broken up our marriage. What would I have today? No ties of any kind. Out every night in the week with a different... A different... Well, uh, maybe you're right. I'll talk to the boy. <laughs> 
Dennis, my boy. Yes, sir. I have a message for you from headquarters. <laughs> what does she say? <laughs> it has been decided that when Mildred gets married, she must be supported in the style to which she is accustomed. Gee, that's well. We'll be very happy to live here. Afraid you don't understand, my boy. Mrs. Anderson doesn't want you and Mildred to see each other anymore. Not see each other anymore? No. But Mildred and I want to get married and have a home of our own and three or four children. It wouldn't be easy under those conditions. (laughs) I know, but you see, my wife feels that you're not making enough money at present. Enough money for what? Well, name it and you're not making enough. Well, it's true that I use the simplified form for my income tax. It is indeed. Gosh, you know, I, I, I hate to see you and Mildred break up, son, but you're making only $8 a week, and, well... Uh, yeah, I know. You've asked Mr. Willoughby for a raise down at the drugstore, I suppose. Sure, lots of times. He gets very upset. His eyes pop out and he starts to shake. Oh, that isn't good for him. It isn't good for me either. I'm what he shakes. <laughs> Think a minute now. Now, when I was contemplating marriage, my boss let me invest in his business. You mean he let you come in as a partner? Yes. Unfortunately, the deal turned out very badly financially, but Pupsy married me anyway. Gee, you got it coming and going, didn't you? <laughs> well, nevertheless, I feel that a partnership in the drugstore is the only solution, Dennis. Now, suppose you sound out Mr. Willoughby today on putting $100 into his business. Suppose he sounds me out on what hundred dollars? Well, let's worry about that after you speak to Mr. Willoughby. You've got to try it, son. After all, you and Mildred have been going together for seven months. You don't want to end up going together for seven years, do you? Gosh, no. We might forget what we started out for. (laughs) I'll talk to Mr. Willoughby this morning. Mr. Willoughby... Yes, Dennis. I've been thinking. On company time, use your lunch hour for that kind of night. <laughs> but, Mr. Willoughby, this is important. What would you say if I told you I wanted to invest some money in your business? Some money? Uh-huh. My boy! My dear, dear boy! Here, have a cigar. Oh, thank you, sir. How much money? Five thousand? Three thousand? Two thousand? A thousand? You're going in the right direction, but not fast enough. Well, how much do you want to invest? A hundred dollars. A hundred dollars? Here, have a cigar. Thank you. Back to work, my boy. Well, it was worth a try. I thought I could get my pay and a share of the profits instead of drawing a salary. Wait a minute. Instead of drawing a salary? Yes, sir. Son, this is the time to invest in a sound business. Things are booming today like never before in history. Really? Why, yesterday I heard you tell a customer business was never worse. Well, you've got to expect little fluctuations from day to day. I'll tell you what I'll do, Dennis. For $100, I'll give you 3% of this drugstore's net profit. Oh, boy, what'll that come to? Well, if business picks up a little, nearly $7 a week. Mr. Willoughby, I don't consider this a great step forward. Well, Dennis, you don't want to be a wage slave all your life, do you? I didn't, but it's beginning to look better to me now. (laughs) 
But a partnership doesn't mean only money, son. It means prestige. Can I ever say to you again, Dennis, sweep out this door? No, sir. No. From now on, it'll have to be partner, sweep out this door. <laughs> yes, sir, that's true. Of course. I'll go back to my office right now and draw up a paper covering the whole thing. See you later, dear partner. Gee, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. Every once in a great while, I don't. But for a hundred dollars, I ought to be getting more. Hi, Dennis. Oh, hello, Mildred. Daddy told me you were going to talk to Mr. Willoughby about a partnership. Did you? Yeah. He's inside now, drawing it up. Oh, Dennis, how wonderful. At last you've taken your first step in the business world. And who knows where it'll end? It can't go far. Seven more steps and I'll starve to death. (laughs) Well, what do you mean? Well, it turns out that partners get less money than wage slaves. But, Dennis, you can't back out now. It's an investment in your future. Don't you want to prove to people that you're a man? Well, I think I ought to let them rely on circumstantial evidence. (laughs) But don't you realize this partnership is our only chance? Mother won't let us see each other again if you don't take it. But I don't even know where to get the hundred dollars. Well, you could try the bank. They lend money to anybody who is considered a good risk. Or even a fair risk. Yeah, but I'm classified as foolhardy. You're nothing of the kind. Go down to the bank and see Mr. Courtney personally and tell him you want a loan. Well, okay, I'll go. But I have a terrible premonition, a horrible feeling that somehow this is going to lead to another of my normal days. security, Mr. Day. Do you own a car, a house, some sort of property? No, sir. Anything of value at all? I have a Boy Scout knife. <laughs> That's hardly adequate. However, we might possibly base the loan on your weekly earnings. Better take the Boy Scout knife. <laughs> I see. Well, Mr. Day, do you think you could write the bank a note? Oh, yes, sir. Is it its birthday or something? <laughs> I mean a promissory note. Oh, one of those. Yes, one of those. What are they? Mr. Day, I'm a very busy man. Suppose you leave your name and address, and if we don't get in touch with you very soon, it won't surprise me. But, Mr. Courtney, really, we... Please, Mr. Day, come in someday when I haven't quite so many personal troubles on my mind, but not today. Oh, yes, sir. I guess you mean about your daughter and that French count. I read about it in the paper. Yes, my daughter thinks she's in love with him. My own daughter losing her head over a pony like that. You know him? No, sir, not personally. But I see him in the hardware store every once in a while buying stuff for his hair. Stuff for his hair in a hardware store? He uses Johnson's glow coat. (laughs) He would. Mr. Courtney, I don't get many good ideas, but I think I've thought of one. Now, you'd give a lot to see that romance broken up, wouldn't you? Anything in this world. Anything. Anything I ever had or hoped to have. Would you give $150? $110 is my top offer. <laughs> well, what have you got in mind? Well, suppose another foreign nobleman was to come along, say, a, a Spanish duke, and win your daughter away from this French count. But then I'd be just as bad off yes, as I am now. Not if the Spanish duke was me, and after I got her, I dropped her like a hot potato. By George. Day, 
you have brains. It does sound like it today, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a great idea, my boy. A wealthy Spanish nobleman. Just perfect for a little gold digger like my daughter. I won't fail you, sir. Oh, I'm certain of it, son. Here. Here's $110 in cash. Spend what you have to and keep the wreck. Gosh, what a roll. Wow. Gee, Andrew Jackson. I always wondered whose picture was on a $20 bill. Senorita Courtney, permit me myself to introduce. I am... Oh, of course. My father told me you were going to call on me. You're His Highness, the Duke Ricardo Alvarez y Velasquez y Ramon de los Trujillo. Am I pronouncing it right? If you are not, who is going to? <laughs> well, do come in, Your Highness. Or may I call you by your first name? Oh, see. Pick out anyone you like. Oh, Ricardo, you're making fun of me. You keep thinking that, no matter what anybody says. You're cute. And Daddy tells me you're just enormously wealthy. Oh, see, see, I am lorded. I could tell when I saw the lovely bouquet you sent. A great many pesos went into it. I told the girl on the roses on Gardena. She must have put them in by mistake. <laughs> Ricardo, you silly boy. You're making fun of me again. It was only a question of time. Oh, I think you're just adorable. Did, um... Did my father happen to mention to you anything about me being uh, engaged? Oh, she, to a man, I think he said. <laughs> yes, but I think we can forget about him. You're so much nicer and richer. Oh, see, I am the white sheep of my family. <laughs> yes, isn't it wonderful? And you know, Ricardo, since I've been going out with the Count, Dad's cut off my allowance. Huh? There are any number of little things I'd love. That is... If you... Oh, say no more about it. We'll go down to the five and ten and run amok. Right up to ten dollars. Oh, Ricardo, you're adorable. <laughs> That's the best joke yet. And this time I hoped I had missed. <laughs> There's a cutest little shop in Middletown. You especially were just adore it. We'll drive over. But, Senorita, really, I don't oh, think... Oh, don't could... be silly. I don't object to your generosity in the least. That's the prerogative of royalty. Uh, gee. Huh? <laughs> Come on, now. You can tell me all about your subjects in Spain as we walk to the car. My subjects? Yes. What are they like? Oh, the same as here. History, chemistry, algebra. <laughs> Ricardo, you darling. Oh, the shop I was telling you about. Look at the sign. Senora Carmen Fernandez of Madrid. Genuine Spanish laces and... Miss Courtney, I don't like this place. I think it's run by foreigners. Yes. Of course. You can talk to the senora in her native tongue. This I am inclined to doubt. <laughs> oh, silly. Come on. Senora Carmen, look what I brought you. A countryman of yours. A real duke. I am glad for to meet you, senora. But for the sake of the young lady, don't you think we should speak only English? You're so right. (laughs) 
pianist. <laughs> now, don't mind me at all. You two have a nice chat in your native language. Really? We don't want to. <laughs> I absolutely insist on it. Well, you better go face, Duke. Menago, Nicaragua, La Paloma, que duma, senora. Uh, San Luis Obispo de los uh, Xavier Cougar, Tijuana. Oh, she, she. My, what a beautiful liquid tongue Spanish is. She, Senora Carmen and I understand each other, I think. I'll say. Now let's get back to English. Uh, would you like to see some merchandise, dearie? Yes, there are. <laughs> I could use. Oh, I got some lovely things in, dearie. Uh, look, isn't this a gorgeous negligee? Oh, it is. May I have it, Ricardo? Uh, the Duke is going to pay for it? Why, oh, yes. This gives me pause. <laughs> cash or check, Duke? Well, uh, how much is it? One twenty-five. Oh, cash, of course. What a dollar and a quarter to me. I got millions. <laughs> The price of the negligee happens to be $125. Huh? Wrap it up, senora. Give her the money, Ricardo. But I... 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 Give it to her, Ricardo. But all I have here is 110 I'm sure Oh, well, that'll do fine, thanks. And I'll deliver it tonight. Oh, thank you, darling. And I'll have her deliver it to you so you can give it to me tonight in person. Dennis? Gee, but I... Who? Oh, silly, I knew you all along. You're Dennis Day, the soda clerk in Willoughby's drugstore. You pretended to be a Spanish nobleman to meet me because you're in love with me. Me? Oh, no, you're wrong, Miss Courtney. You're making a revolting development positively repulsive. <laughs> don't try to hide it, Dennis. I knew when you bought that expensive negligee for me. I think you're the sweetest boy I've ever met. I'll never let you go again. Ever. Well, Dennis, my boy, I guess there's only one thing for you to do. Drop dead. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Dennis. And this Courtney girl's coming over here tonight? Yeah, Mildred. And she said she'll never let go of me. Oh, we got to think of something, and fast. Women. That's the trouble with this world. There's too many of them. If a person isn't a man, he's got to be a woman. There ought to be a third choice. Wait a minute. Women. Suppose you convinced her that you couldn't be true to her, that you're a regular devil with the women. Isn't there some idea that's less fantastic? <laughs> oh, you can do it, Dennis. Don't you see? I'll come to the door with a, a telegram or something, and you pretend I'm a stranger and make violent love to me. When she sees how fickle you are, she'll never speak to you again. Well, I'll try it, Mildred. And if it doesn't work, drop down to the bank and see me sometime. I'll be the third vice president from the left. Yes, darling. There's something I feel you should know. I could never be true to you. I believe in polygamy. What? Yeah. 
strictly the gay life for me, night after night, nightclubs, parties, drinking champagne out of lady slippers, first removing the ladies, of course. You mean your girl crazy? Yeah. I wouldn't be good for you, child. I'm just an old tea bag in the cup of romance. I've been dunked too often. Nonsense. Honest. I fall in love with every woman I meet. I just... Watch. This'll prove it. Wait till you see what happens to me when I see this girl. Come in. Ah, my dream girl. Stand there. Just let me look at you. Don't move from that spot. So who's moving? <laughs> oh, you. I thought... I mean... Dream girl, I'm mad about you. I can't live without you. I can't. Force yourself. Don't you understand? I'm mad about you Look, here's your negligee And stay off this stuff, will you? It'll knock your brains out See what happens to me, Miss Courtney? And with every girl I see But you saw Senora Carmen this afternoon And nothing happened I know, it's at night that the beast walks There's another girl Probably a telegram or something But it'll happen again, you'll see Come in my dream girl, stand there. Just let me look at you. Don't move from that spot. Dennis Day, have you gone crazy? No, ma'am. I love you madly. Here's my arms, dreamboat. Make port. What? Don't try to fight it, kid. Kid? Come on, let's pitch woo. Bet I can pitch it faster than you can catch it. I've heard enough, Dennis Day. I never want to see you again. Come here, young man. Wait, Mrs. Anderson. Wait. Telegram for Dennis Day. Mr. Day will be busy for a few minutes. Shove it under the door. Now, wait a minute. You stay where you are, and I'll shove Mr. Day under the door. <laughs> Mrs. Anderson, please. Wait, that's my... Wait! Wait! in his orchestra, here's Dennis to sing his latest RCA Victor recording, Mamzelle.
sparkles just like wine does. No heart ever yearned the way that mine does for you. Jack Benny every Sunday, and be sure to be with us again next week for another Dennis Day program. More songs, more adventures in the life of our star, Dennis Day. Meanwhile, be sure to use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. prices for used fats than ever before, so save used cooking fats and oils, turn them in for cash. Remember, too, industry urgently needs fats and oils to help produce soap, automobiles, refrigerators, all the things you want and need. What's more, the shortage of fats and oils is a worldwide problem. So for your own good, use and reuse fats and oils as often as you can. When they're no longer usable, save them in tin cans and turn them into your dealer. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Saint, followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.